Before we start, Strange Circle is a narrative podcast, best listened to in sequential order. So if this is your first time, why not go back to episode one? Enjoy the show. The song has stopped. It has been replaced. There is now a dull, toneless, white noise that paints the entire world cardboard. Cardboard trees, cardboard houses, even cardboard people. Everything is now temporary and fragile. A strong gust of wind might blow away the whole city. A rainstorm could render a mountain nothing but papier-mâché mush. I am cardboard too. I have descended into my lowest state of existence. I know that I have to hunker down and wait it out. It started with my mistake in the car when she saw me. From that point, I couldn't stop going over the events of the day again and again to see what the mistake was. And I punish myself for my mistakes. Physically, I mean. My tool of choice is a scalpel. The location? My inner thigh. Bashing my head against the steering wheel of my car didn't really count as punishment, as I hadn't realised I was doing it. I had not been in control. I set myself up in the bathroom, placing a large towel down on the tiled floor. I bear myself and sit on the closed toilet. I run my hand over the scars that I have given myself in previous acts of chastisement. I remember each one clearly. The time I lost my dancing partner when he moved away to Australia. I was not quick enough that time. Cutting my leg was the only way to remove the song from my head once it had begun. This large, jagged scar was when I was not careful enough extracting the pigment for my canvas. I'd been too heavy-handed and the colours got mixed beyond saving. I slice into the cardboard of my body. It rips apart easily. I pull at the scalpel and hear the sound of paper tearing. Not even this pain can lift me from the monotone world I see all around me. I think about my mistake. The towel is sodden with my blood. I have to stop, but I want so much to see what will happen if I just sit here, waiting. Will an angel come for me and fly me away? Or will it be a demon dragging me down to hell?
Not that I believe in that Christian nonsense. There are angels and demons in the world, but neither are the creatures represented in the Bible. I've waited too long. I managed to tie another towel around my leg tightly before I see black spots in my vision. The world recedes to a point and I can think no longer. Trivial Pursuit Twister, Connect 4, Operation, Sorry, Mousetrap. Derek Dummings, Hour of the Dead. And good evening and a warm welcome to the Hour of the Dead. I'm Derek Dunning. I hope that um, you've been enjoying this hot weather. It has been far too hot in my opinion. Luckily for me, the studio here is nice and cool. I hope you're managing to stay cool as well. On the show today, I have two guests um, who got in touch after I sent out my plea for information on Hilly Sanderson. Long-time listeners will know Hilly as a friend of the show. She's a gifted medium and has conducted a few sessions over the phones here, as well as answering all of your questions about her life and what she does. Now, about two months ago now, we had her on the show and she talked about her missing time at Christmas. She claimed on the show that she'd been possessed by a demon. I just want to play you a clip of that to refresh your memory. Here we go. And were you aware during this possession? At first, yes. I had to help the poor thing find my car keys and he couldn't drive at all. He was kind of a passenger inside me and inside the car there for a while. He was watching though. After a few minutes he got the hang of it and he pushed me out of the way. And you went to see this priest? Well, I assume we did. After about 20 minutes in the car, I must have passed out. I have no memory of the next 24 hours. So that is chilling in itself. A few weeks later, I tried to get in touch with Hilly to invite her back onto the show, but she was nowhere to be found. I tried all avenues, as you would expect. No one has seen or heard from her now for at least six weeks. So we're all pretty worried. My first guest caller is Hilly's closest friend, Maureen Clegg. She's on the line now. Hello, Maureen, and thanks for being with us this evening. No, Derek. Thank you. Maureen, can you tell me when you first realised that Hilly was missing? Well, Hilly doesn't have any family left, really, only us. Um, I was on holiday in France for two weeks and tried to call her when I got back with no luck. I eventually drove around and realised the house was empty. There was mail piled up in the box behind the door and one of her neighbours said she hadn't seen her car in the driveway for at least a week. I phoned the police straight away and they came round and broke into the house. Everything seemed completely normal. 
No signs of anything untoward. No mess. Just no hilly. So there is a missing persons report out on her? Yes, there is, Derek. The police are at a bit of a standstill, though. There's no action on her cash cards, nothing at any hospital. Do you have any idea what happened to her, Maureen? Well, we've been a bit worried about her ever since her episode at Christmas. You mean when she was possessed? Well, I'm not sure about that. We learned from someone in Liverpool that she went to a church and kissed a priest. Oh, yes. Now, Maureen told me about this before. It seems completely out of character, completely strange. We asked her about it afterwards, and she said she couldn't remember anything. To be honest, we've been a bit concerned for her health. Her mental health, you mean? Yes, that's right. Did Hilly tell you about her belief that she'd been possessed? Look, Derek, to be honest, I don't like to think too much about Hilly's gift. I know it's real. She's proven that to me more than once, but it scares me. Ghosts are one thing, but when she started talking of demons, well, I'm not interested in that at all. I know you've already been contacted by our next caller, who says he spotted Hilly about a week ago. Yes, and I would like to say publicly now that if anyone does know anything about Hilly's whereabout, please call the missing persons hotline. We are desperate to know that she is safe. Thank you for that, Maureen. And let me add my own plea for information. I got to know Hilly very well when she's been on the show. She is a lovely lady uh, with nothing but good intentions. Um, and we really want to find her. So if you have any information, ring the police, ring me here. Uh, we'll have our second guest right after these messages. I wake up on the bathroom floor. There is a deep ache in my leg, but I am alive, so I must have managed to stem the bleeding enough for it to clot. My head swims, and I am as thirsty as hell. I cautiously move my leg, and a stab of pain shoots through it. I peel back the towel, wincing as it pulls at my skin. Everything is caked in russet, dried blood. I clean and dress my wound, thinking only that this outcome served me right. This was the punishment. This was the payback. The world still looks wrong to me. I limp my way to the kitchen and pour a large glass of water. I take it back to the living room and slump into the sofa. I drink deeply, the whole glass in one go. My eyes look up to the wall above the TV. The exposed brick has the same artificial look that pervades everything. But this time, there is a crack. There is a crack in the wall above the TV. No, that's wrong. The crack isn't in the wall. It's in the world. 
It's about a metre long and is a thick diagonal slash in existence. I know it's no ordinary fissure, as I can just about see through to the other side. And it's not my neighbour's apartment that I can see. I stand and hobble over. The pain in my leg is almost unbearable, but this is too interesting. I move until I am an arm's length away. The crack is indeed forward from the wall, easy to see now that I'm close to it. It's just floating there, in the air. I take another step forwards and peer through with one eye closed. A vast landscape lies on the other side. I begin to laugh. This is the little sight, the first step in seeing the truth behind the lie that is the world. I laugh because the landscape I can see is familiar. In fact, I've begun to paint it on my human canvas. A flat, stony plain stretches out into the distance. Impossibly tall structures rise from strange swathes of vegetation, and everywhere there are things moving about. Some of them look human, but most do not. There is a group of them near to the fissure. They are humanoid, but all have the same hunchback trait that changes the way they stand. None of them wear clothes. I watch, mouth agape, unable to tear my eyes away. Then one of them turns towards me. Its face is almost a flat circle. Only the merest whisper of features are there. It is staring at me, and as I stare back I sense its malevolence and arrogance. I am nothing but an insect in its eyes. The creature moves towards the fissure, and I let out a yelp. I step backwards and fall over the coffee table. The world my world is sent spinning, pain in my thigh again, and now at the back of my head. The crack, in reality, is the last thing I see before I pass out. From beyond, two eyes, no more than black dots on a page, are pressed up to the gap in order to get a better view. A better view of me. Welcome back. On the line now is Anthony Green, a farmer from Upper Mill, uh, that's near to the infamous Saddleworth Moor. How's it going there, Anthony? It's going great, Derek. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan. Well, thanks for that. Now, how is it that you think that you've seen Hilly? Well, me and the missus never miss your show, so we knew about Hilly and we've even got her book. So when this older lady walked past me when I was looping the chapter, 
I thought I recognised her. It took me a few hours to realise it was the woman from the front of the book. And can you tell us what she looked like, Anthony? A bit worse for wear, to be honest. The main road is only about five minutes walk away, but she looked like she'd been going for much longer. I said good morning, as you do, when she passed me by, but she was fixated on where she was going. She looked a bit... mad. Did you see her after that? I did. From a distance. We do lay lambing here, and the lambs and ewes were out in one of the back fields. I saw her climb over the gate back there and enter one of the sheds. I recognised her from the red raincoat she was wearing. I ran inside from a shotgun and started over there at a trot. I'm not sure what I thought I would see. When I got there, there was no sign of her, but one of the lambs was dead on the shed floor. I should warn any squeamish listeners that Anthony's story gets quite graphic. Ah, it does. The lamb was covered in its own blood, from a bite mark in its neck. A human bite mark? As far as I could tell. I let the police deal with all of that. And you're sure it was Hilly that you saw? As sure as I can be. She was the spit of the woman on the book, if not. Okay, well, thanks for your call, Anthony. We will leave it there. I know that this will be distressing for many of you who have got to know Hilly from our shows. Um, I'd like to open up the lines now so we can talk through this together. Hi there, this is Al Ashworth, creator of the Strange Circle podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and invite you to visit the Strange Circle website for more facts, stories and clues. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would be very grateful if you could rate and review, especially on iTunes. If you're feeling generous, please sponsor me on Patreon. This podcast is a labour of love and any help you can give is gratefully received. You can find all the information at pod.strangecircle.org. Thanks for listening.